So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Tai Kefu! Did he get it? That's the match winner! Guys, we're back for another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast, and guess what? We've got an Australian victory. Well done to the Reds, the first Trans-Tasman Australian victory of 2021. Yes, it is still 1-14, and 14, uh, 14 losses so far, but we had to get that one. We had to break through um, that that ceiling, and we've done it thanks to the Reds. They, they tried to look a little bit um, sketchy towards the end of that game, but they held on, luckily whether it was just off the back of a Damien McKenzie red card. Boys, before we get into that, let's get into some of the early games. We had the Hurricanes taking down the Western Force on Friday night, 43-6. to six. Western Force just it hurts, man. You, you'd think that they'd um, hope, be wanting to perform a lot better than this, but the Hurricanes just are on a bit of a tear at the moment. Yeah, they're definitely finding all the soft spots in their opposition. Um, they're just... Turning down shots at goal early, playing for seven, getting it every time. Like and and you know they got loose forwards breaking through the line and stepping, the, you know the second line of defence coverage. It's just the skills skills weren't up to scratch. They weren't actually that great for either team. I didn't think in this game, but the Hurricanes just managed to turn it on enough times and and went through a soft force defence. Guys like Omua of fifty meters, out yeah, outpacing oh everybody. The man has paced. Look out! Imagine the like the force to tackle him once he's up to speed. No wonder, no wonder Kearney wasn't going anywhere near him. All black squad. Oh, I mean, you've got to think so, right? Just also potential, huge bolt potential. Maybe third hooker. Yeah, well, you think putting someone on on your bench like to come on late in a game for the All Blacks with that sort of sort of attacking prowess and capability, like he's going to find a splinter in the defense, and then. Yeah, he's going to put you well and truly in front when you're tussling in a close one against what the Wallabies or the Springboks at the end of the year. And the only other thing I'd add, um, Geordie was excellent at fullback. Like, I, I know Bowden finished the season playing at 10 and um, we, we haven't sort of thought he had a whole lot of um, expectation to come straight back into the All Blacks because the conditioning just won't be there. But I, I don't see how he gets his spot at 10 or at 15 at the moment. Geordie's just playing out of his skin, doing everything right. Like coverage in defense, he was, you know, just sweeping around the back. He was everywhere he needed to be. The kicking game was great. Um, and scoring that final try, you know, twinkle toes down the sideline, like well-deserved. So really, you know, just really continuing to mature. Yeah, I think that's the popular opinion at the moment that the All Blacks need to pick a a proper fullback there and Bowden's not quite going to cut it. So he'll probably have to come on from the bench. Um but yeah, that Kane's backline is just electric. There's so much talent there. They've got points in them every game. So when they're on, they're on. And the force, yeah, they just don't have that potency. They tried hard, but just wasn't good enough. Who else from this uh, Hurricanes team is going to feature in the All Blacks uh, later in the year, you think? Obviously, you've got your stalwarts like um, Artie Sevilla is going to obviously be back there. Um, 
I guess TJ's re-signed with them, so technically he's there with whether he's there for these sort of July internationals or not. Karifi, I think, is a chance. Is a bit of a dark horse. He has to beat out a lot of other good people. Though. I was going to say, where's he on the list of your sevens in the in the country? Even when Sam Kane isn't there, he's probably third or fourth. Um, but again, he's a specialist seven. You can't really play him anywhere else in that back row, so that limits him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of talent there in New Zealand at seven, and so yeah, it's going to be hard for him. But I think he's a talent talented player. Um, and he had a really good game in this one. He's had a pretty good season. Yeah, there's probably not too many others who are an obvious choice other than Geordie and Artie. Um, I, I agree with Karifi. I think he's a chance. He's he's the different frame. He's more of a maybe a slightly almost Michael Hooper maybe yeah, he's type. Hooper's. Like he's pure seven, so you, you can't mix and match. And they've got so many bigger seven options. And I think you'd have to be really, you know, super elite to to stake a claim over anyone else. Mm. Um, we said a more, yeah. um, that's probably it really. I mean, they're, they're just, they're all doing their part. None of them are, are standing out. Um, we, we don't think Lamarpi will get a, a run because he's leaving. He's probably leaving not, soon but I assume they'll probably so. give him Munger Jensen, um, another go. Uh, just I don't, I don't rate him massively. I think he has a lot of errors in his game. Like he has moments of brilliance, but I think he's just a bit erratic and I was surprised when they picked him last year, but Maybe it's just that, you know, they see that raw talent and they want to polish it um, within the All Black system. Whether Tyrell Lomax gets recalled just because props sometimes seem to be at a bit of a uh, stretch for the All Blacks, just especially after a few injuries. Um, what about Ryasi? Yes. He has, the, he has the, one of the highest sort of um, conversions for tries in a game in the Hurricanes history over the sort of, I think, the last six yeah. game he's got eight tries or something. So... Think about hurricane. think about guys like Ben Lamb. There's been a lot of Hurricanes wingers that have scored a lot of tries. Um, I think he's decent, but I think there's probably quite a few guys ahead of him as well in the pecking order at, on for the wing spot. He's another one to me. Just doesn't look like um, like his power, his speed, are all great. Doesn't look like a. It's like a clever winger. Like he's not going to bring that All Blacks nous and game management. He's not going to do much more than just be X factor on the wing. When you've got choices of guys who can kick, who can, um, you know, just a bit more tactical. Uh, I think I think there's probably not room for someone like that given the current crop of of All Blacks wingers you've got available. Who would you take out of him and Jonah Naraki? Naraki. Yeah. Yeah, but then I I like both of them, I guess. But I guess. Naraki's you got Caleb Clark. Well. Caleb Rico Clark's Uwani. got sevens, though. Yeah, Rico Yuani, the Crusaders boys, Sevu Reese, Fonanuku, I think. That's it. I mean, you got, and you've still got George Bridge. Like, there's yeah, steps. Will Jordan steps can play on the wing. There's, That's right. There's, there's almost... I think the Crusaders spoil the party a little bit for some of these fringe guys from the other teams. And the, and the, the, the counter... Sorry, not the counter, but the comparison, I guess, like Will Jordan to Ray Arcee, Like You're going to lose a bit of speed. You're going to lose a bit of power in your run. But look at all the other things you get and like that tactical play and slotting in as a as a second receiver and like just I, I just think you get more out of him. I don't think unless unless that unless Rousey or Nareki come in and have a Caleb Clark type season against the Wallabies where he's just untackleable, I think I think he's probably a bit um you know, one dimensional. You'd take Reese over Nareki, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah so I think that's the comp and, there. Yeah. Given like given the size of those two wingers. Nuriki's great. I actually yeah, really like Nuriki. And he's got a uh, he's got the left boot hand as boot as well. Um Moving on, though, this Waratahs Crusaders game, I feel like it went pretty much to script. Uh, slightly different Crusaders team name, but by no means were they putting a B side up there. They still had a lot of their frontline players. 54 to 28, maybe not quite as big a margin as people were expecting. We're still seeing the fact that the Tars seem to be able to put points on. I mean, what they're scoring over 20 points. Um, in the last of their three games, obviously the bigger sort of margin in um, the Hurricanes game, the first round out where they scored over 40, but against the Blues, against the Saders, they're showing they're having a little bit of attacking prowess. Probably helped by them, um, people like Parise and Jake Gordon just being sort of at, at full form at the moment, I think. Oh, Jake Gordon's looked awesome. And he, and he continues this you know fast game, quick taps, just really pushing the tempo up and taking metres. Like it's not always... Um, it's not always a whole lot of meters. It's not a breakout and sometimes it draws a penalty, but it's always putting the opposition on the back foot. And when the other Tars are, are sort of clicked in and, and going with him, you, you've just taken 10 meters and you just, and you can keep rolling that. And they're doing that at times. They're starting to run some more interesting lines. Like Maddox's try was a great line. Like that's exactly the sort of, should be giving him one or two of those a game. Yeah, that's what you should just be built into your script. It's yeah. got to keep happening because it's so effective and he can run it. Obviously, it's it just it just feels like they don't set those up. They look too disorganised a lot of the time. Um, but Bell and Harris, I thought particularly were good. Um, Harrison playing out of fullback was a little bit out of position at times, but but you know tackled really well. Kept, you know saved a few other tries as well. Um, yeah, they're getting more well rounded, and I guess they're coming along now with without a whole lot of pressure, um, without you know. A, a obvious coaching arrangement in place. They can just, you know, chance their arm and, and relax a little bit. And I don't know if this, the opposition soften up a bit once they get 20 points out. And that's why the Waratahs can keep sort of chipping away and scoring points. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're still doing it. You've got to look at other teams this week who didn't break 20 and there's some pretty good teams that aren't breaking 20. Primarily, I think we're all thinking about the Brumbies there who we thought had a chance at Eden Park, but um, despite being very close and should should more or less have been even um, going into half time, uh, then go down 38 points to 10. Um, that's not what you expected and not what you'd want to see, uh, especially from the coaching box of the Brumbies. Yeah, and it's it's really tough for them having again worked towards that AU final, lost that final, and now this is turning into a, a bit of a disaster at the moment. It hasn't now. been a great season for them now, and I think that's off the back of some still some key injuries in that forward pack. But it's probably not good enough against a Blues team. Put, letting them put twenty extra points on you after that Finlay Christie try just before halftime, that seemed to swing the match a bit. And they just, yeah, the Blues kind of started running rampant a bit. And, yeah, it's not a good sign from a Brumbies team that usually has pretty good defence and their structures are good. And at the moment, they're looking a bit of a shadow of their former selves. So hopefully they can turn that around in the last two games and actually pick up a win. Well, they do have those two games at home. Like they've done the Blues, the Crusaders and the Chiefs in New Zealand. Yeah, it's a tough one. So it, it doesn't get tougher than that. Starting with that having to pick up that tempo straight away. Um, like, yeah. 
could I think just the narrative in round one and almost beat them. Like they were, they were yeah. almost a draw. So they That's, were right there. If that had gone the other way, I think I expected, okay, that they go down to the Crusaders, maybe they beat the Chiefs, and then I thought they'd beat the Blues. So, you know, I think that Crusaders game really flipped things on its head a bit. And, you know, they're 0-3. And that's um, kind of the story with all these teams, isn't it, apart from the Reds? I mean, it was good to get one win. It really feels like their forward pack's taken a, back, a step back in recent weeks. And I know they've had a couple of injuries. I don't... I don't recall Caden Neville getting injured, but he's obviously not there starting at the moment. They've been going with Frost, which I think they're suffering a little bit having that. I don't think Sio and Alalatoa are really playing anywhere near sort of their potential form. Mm. I don't know whether that's because they actually have dropped off. Um, Sio has for a while, I think, particularly this year. Sio, yeah, I think Sio is at real risk of um, losing his sort of place in the mm. hierarchy of Australian props at the moment. Mm-hmm. Especially guy that's like been Tom Robinson actually playing really well and you're yeah. thinking it's almost getting another look. Yeah, absolutely. Loose head's less certain. I mean, if James Slipper is healthy, he's the guy who's going to be starting. But once you get past him, you know, the waters are a bit murkier these days in terms of who he's should be, be there. Well, yeah, Bell's, I think... Gus Bell's on the rise, CO's sliding and Tom Robertson's throwing his hand up. It's whether Bell is it. Too early for him to be starting every game for the Wallabies at his yeah. age. I don't know. I don't yeah. know if workload comes into it a little bit, but he's hitting his straps for the Waratahs. So I think, yeah, it's going to help Rennie out a little bit putting him in, but it's just whether he has the experience against some of these other really big tight heads out there on the international stage. Yeah, absolutely. And so that would be difficult to see. I mean, the Blues, once again, um, they just, they seem to just have this spark back and, um, I've, it's getting me back to thinking about how I was thinking about them last year um, mm-hmm. in terms of the excitement of being able to challenge the Crusaders. I think it'd be really good if they end up finishing sort of near the top here and get a playoff against the Crusaders, get another chance at that. Um, because if, if they're bringing this form into a game against the Crusaders, that would just be an amazing spectacle. That's the and final you, you want to see. Yeah, and you, you're almost forecasting like some of the review, uh, preview stuff for next week, Arch, because having now dropped a game, the Chiefs are the last placed New Zealand side in that group. Yeah. Um, and they, they, you would have thought they, it would they be just conceded. Again. That's right. They so conceded now it really that they're not making the finals seat. now. Yeah. yeah. It's in the box seat for the Blues um, to, to get that second spot, but they're going through the Reds this week at Suncorp. So big. Yeah. Big, anyway, That's we'll get to that. Game. Tough times. Okay, let's get on to that Reds-Chiefs game. Obviously, um, Reds winning it only by six in the end, 40 points to 34, very high scoring here. Um, majority of the points for the Reds came in that first half and then the Chiefs in the last about 20 minutes um, really sort of came back hard. But the big sort of talking point, Damien McKenzie, 22 minutes in, red card, um, bit of a lazy tackle. I think even the Chiefs coach uh, at the end of the game said, Damon has to be um, has to be better than that um, because it was a bit of a lazy almost shoulder charge on Tate McDermott um, who still gave a great ball to um, starting debutante Isaac Henry to go through uh, and smash it over for one of his two tries. There was a bit of stuff from the commentary team saying they didn't. I don't know. I think Leo, you were talking about this earlier, like saying that they didn't approve of the decision and whether that's because they just don't approve of the whole framework of getting red cards as opposed to not thinking 
um, the refs are making the right call on the night. It's it's just asinine to say I don't agree with the decision if you're judging it against the rules because it is the correct decision by the rules. So they need to be more clear if they're not happy with it. Are they not happy with the rule? Because to not be happy with the decision just shows they don't understand the rule. Um, it's there was no mitigating factors. It was direct contact to the head. Um, the, the other the thing which I just continue to bring up in that situation, like because we know concussions come in all shapes and sizes and affect players very differently immediately after the game, long term. How in that situation the opposition or the, the the victim player, the one who receives the high contact, doesn't immediately go for an HIA? I, I don't understand. Like it's if it's deemed forcible contact to the head, if he falls over and looks a bit woozy, or if he doesn't. Isn't it still potentially a concussion? Yeah, and this was my sort of thinking right at the start when they started sort of focusing in such more about sort of head-eye contact and things. And, I mean, it's a really hard line to pull because suddenly you go, okay, well, if this person's getting carded um, for forcible contact to the head and then that person has to go off and it's usually 10, I think it... I think HIA has to be done within sort of 12 minutes and decide whether they're coming back on and off. But it often does take sort of 10 minutes. So if you're yellow carding one player and that player's going off, sure, that a reserve gets to come on, but you're still losing a significant player, starting player for the other team. So, Which probably just means the penalty needs to be as harsh as possible. It's it needs worse, to right? Be, yeah, yeah. I think I mean, it's, it's just case by case. Yeah, but, it wasn't particularly forceful, and that was probably the argument for why it shouldn't have been a red card, but I think there was enough in it. It wasn't particularly malicious, but like you said, lazy, and McKenzie should be better than that. Mm. Yeah, he's not, it's not like he's a, a common occurrence for that. He yeah. doesn't normally tackle that much. He's a small guy as well. Like, he goes low. Yeah. Although he went pretty high on, I think it was Valentini the previous week, and he um, was pretty effective. <laughs> Put him over the sideline. Uh, but, yeah, great game from the Reds. Um, didn't finish as strongly as they have been. You know, when you get out to 40 points ahead and it's like 40 to 8 or whatever it was, like, yeah, I think people are going to start getting a bit complacent. Um, and that's not their character. And they would be wise to reflect on what almost happened this week because they could have had a loss, um, particularly if McKenzie was still out there. Um, but, you know, all good signs. They're, they're in, a, in a nice position where they can do the starting debut for Isaac Henry in a game and and it not hurt them. In fact, it, you know, they have the right structure and support around him to have him flourish, which is a very Crusaders-ish type thing. They had a, a res, um, not a reserve, like a, a, a newer, um, younger inside centre as well against the Waratahs. And they could do that because everyone around him is so strong and the, the system so strong, you can give those guys as opportunities so they're developing and when you need them against bigger opponents, they're already sort of up to speed. So uh, good outcome for the Reds. I think they, as much as I like Jock Campbell and his prospects, I think the dalgunu Vunavalo combo on the wing is just too devastating to give up. I think they need to stick with that, especially with Hegarty firing at the back. Hegarty has been playing out of his skin. He's been such a good second five type like uh, pivot when O'Connor's been out or he's just stepped in and had a bit more of a hand in it. He's just looking... Awesome. He's looking like that that um, that wily veteran at the back who's just in in the right places, doing his job really well, and supporting all the young uh, firepower around him. So um, this 
back line's looking really good at the moment and pretty amazing since we um we haven't got Pattaya in the mix at all. I was really impressed with Harry Wilson. What are you going to say, Arch? Oh, no, I was going to let you talk about Funavalu, but if you want to oh, talk about Harry Wilson, it. that's fine. I love Vunavalu. Like, he just seems like that guy. When we first saw Falau come onto the scene, I had a similar feeling. Um, you don't need to see a lot sure. of him, but Vunavalu is just pure class um, and he's got a touch of magic about him. And I think we're going to see him for the Wallabies um, very, very soon in this French series, which is exciting. Um, as long as he's healthy, of course, he's going to be still be learning, you know, the intricacies um, of rugby. But, yeah. What's his what's his social media habits like? I don't know if he's tidying them up. Well, he's not he's not going to say something that's, <laughs> that's particularly good. particularly outrageous. But he may do something if he's if he's celebrating. Because I mean, he's I think he's learned his lesson earlier in the year, and he needs to be careful with that. I mean, he's got a target on his back, you know, and most of these leaguey guys do, so he should be used to that anyway. Um, but he's, yeah, he's awesome. And he's really injecting himself into the game well, mm. doing a similar thing to what Dalgunu does, just popping up and actually taking a hold of the ball and really wanting to control the play, which is nice to see. Um, and he's got the skills to do that. So I'm, I'm all for it. And, yeah, I think he's, he's almost a couple more games like that. And I think he's nailed down a starting spot for the Wallabies on the wing. So what do you think the starting wingers are going to be then? Corabidi uh, and... Vinavalu. Really? So you think Tom Wright misses out? Tom Wright's next in line. And Dalgun is not too far behind if he continues to play well. I think it's possible. Tom Wright in with Vinavalu if, if we're. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Maybe Corobidi's actually really? at risk. Really? I don't know. I feel like he's got 10 yard. Yeah, I, I agree. Tom Wright is, is awesome as well. And Corabidi hasn't quite been on his game, but do you just let him have that opportunity for the Wallabies in a really highly functioning back line? Do you give him a game or two because he's been there for so long and he's earned his place? Or do you just get him out of form? Yeah. I mean, another thing is he's meant to be leaving this year to go Mm. somewhere. Whether he's coming back for 2023, I don't know. And maybe that'll factor into it. If he commits to only going overseas for a year or so, then maybe Rennie's like, all right, well, he's part of my long-term plan anyway, so I'll continue to play him this year. But if not, it might be time to move on. And Tom Wright is, he's not going to let anyone down. So I wouldn't be unhappy with that either. The, um, I guess the other risk, or well, it's kind of what we're saying, like if you play for a team that's out of form, not having any success, and you're still doing well when you get the ball and get your opportunities. If you then don't get selected for the Wallabies because your success has been impacted by the team, it's not much of an incentive for players to go to a team that's on the rebuild because they're going to see that as a roadblock to getting their Wallabies start. So you you want to encourage it. I don't know that he's been as as good this year, but I mean, he's probably pretty heavily um, biased by the Rebels' lack of success and complete cluster so and he does um, he does still stand out in the rebels as he does like the most does. sort of in, much more of an impact when he gets the ball and he does always go forward and finally got rewarded this weekend with a couple of tries that's yeah so yeah and he's got two more games so maybe he really lifts his standards you know regardless of how the rebels actually do play but we've got a, yeah we've got a few guys there on the wing that can do the job and that's nice i think 
Vunavali just looks like a All Blacks calibre winger. I did want to ask before we move on to that Rebels game, what do you think of Ryan Smith? I feel like he's been standing out sort of the last few weeks. Nice, nice little ball plays, short passing mm. game. He looks like a smart player, and I think there's a reason why he's keeping Angus Blythe out. Mm. Um, so you put him in comparison to someone like Darcy Swain, who's just been put into sort of yeah. all of his squads. Like I pick Smith. Swain's maybe a little bit um, dicey discipline-wise. Like, still has the odd infringement, gives away the odd high tackle. Um, just maybe needs a little bit more polish. But yeah, Ryan Smith has been coming along quietly and definitely seems like one of Brad Thorne's favourites. I like his physicality as well. He really mm. seems to impose himself on the game. And similarly, Lucan, I think, has been suddenly, the last year or two, he really has realised his size and he's, he's using it really to his advantage. He's also um, ball playing well, actually. He yeah, and nice he's, got a lot of, he's got a lot of speed as well. So when he carries and he carries aggressively, he does really well with that. He always kind of reminds me of Patrick Tupelotu a bit um, when he's playing well. And I think he's, he's still in contention as well for, for being that starting lock, whether it's, mm. it's probably not on the tight head side. But, yeah, he's a very, very interesting player to have there when he's, when he's on form. All right, now we'll go to the Rebels, and this is the game that we mentioned last week got sort of disrupted, got moved to Sydney, so thankfully they did make it work. The Highlanders came over to play at Leichhardt Oval, so again, a bit of a different ground, but a way for both. It was interesting because um, the, they'd obviously already sold the advertising rights to um, some of the New Zealand um, companies, so uh, the superimposed logos on the field were all like New Zealand brands. and things, A lot of Queenstown, yeah, which was a which was a bit funny to see down there at Leichhardt in Sydney. Rebels, I mean, they started off. They went down early by um, a couple of tries, but then they clawed their way back, and suddenly it was looking like a competitive game. But they just don't seem to have what it takes to put in a eighty minute performance at the moment. And I don't know whether that's just on the back of inexperience or whether it's back just not having sort of they need sort of people to step up for them to have a competitive game and they just don't have enough of those people in the team at the moment. And you have a few dummies like some of their front rowers and things that just cause issues in any case. No team needs that. Um, They, I mean, they are now changing their combinations. They've moved Tomua out to 12, Carter Gordon coming to 10. I actually like the work he's doing. Uh, And uh, I've got Anderson back in. They're playing the Englishman, um, George Worth, who's on loan from Leicester Tigers. I, I don't know how long he's been available, but I feel like he might have been wasted uh, up to now because he's looking a lot better than Pincus. Um, again, transferring the ball around really nicely, drawing his man, like just running good lines, looking really solid at the back, defensively very solid. Um, so in that they're, they're changing things up a bit, but it's working. They're getting the ball out to Marika. That's why he scored a couple of tries. Um, the Highlanders pulled their usual shenanigans of, you know, lots of just um, breakout offload um, type play, chips over the top in you know, early in the game, some sort of unpredictable stuff that got them their lead. And, and this one just swung back and forth. The, it's the discipline and, and really the lack of, um, I suppose, maturity maybe in the forwards. Um, there's a couple of guys out there working really hard. Like I think Trevor Jose is still working really hard. Michael Wells is working really hard. Um, but they're just not really working well as a unit of eight. They're not getting their team the front foot 
uh, ball often enough. And the team like the Highlanders are just counter-attacking all over the field and giving Narecki space and just just too much for them to, to cope with. But a better performance, and I think they're trending in the right direction now. We've got a couple of games left to make something of these new combinations. Yeah, I just think they're a very predictable team and they're not high class in any sort of area, really. Um, and at the beginning of the year, their defence was featuring pretty heavily and they were playing some interesting football, um, but now it just seems to have dissolved into, a, you know, a mishmash of stuff. And I just think they're, they're looking forward to that off-season so they can really come up with a plan to, to move things forward because at the moment it's, it's looking very stale. Doesn't get any easier for them with the Chiefs and Crusaders coming up either. Well, at least they're probably going to have the Damien McKenzie-less Chiefs to play next week. But if it was at if it was at home, which it's unclear when the Rebels will be able to go back home, um, it'd be the sort of game where they would randomly <laughs> never out, where they could where they'd randomly come out and win that sort of thing. Um, Sydney Rebels, you, you reckon? If you are Jeff Parling or whoever the coaching sort of staff coming in for. Um, the Rebels in the off-season. What are your, like, key sort of points that you want to... Obviously, you want to rebuild the culture. You want to institute good sort of um, combinations. But in terms of recruitment, where where are you looking or what, what sort of positions are you highlighting as what you need most? Well, to me, there's a, there's an order to this sort of stuff. Like, you, you've got to look at who you've got, um, decide what style, if you're the coach, what style you like to play and what pieces you have mesh well with that style i'm really against coaches coming in and saying this is how we're going to play and they haven't considered the people that they've got at all and they just force people like quaid to play like a brumby style game it just won't work like that once you've done that then you can identify who suits your who suits your structure and you go and recruit and i think they should be looking internationally do a bit of a force type um recruitment where you look for some of those older seasoned guys but again you you're picking guys based on their style of play and how they fit your tactics with the right the right balance of culture. So you don't bring in some older like when they had Cipriani, like he he's a personality would have come in and would have been probably quite um, visible and um, sort of prominent in the in the dress in the change rooms. That's probably not the sort of player for now. You want to just settle down, get some mature heads, and build something, and then you can start bringing in maybe slightly more risky players. Um, once you've established that because you get them to conform to the masses rather than letting the masses kind of be swayed by those types of characters. So what what people, like, give me some names or just positions to focus on for them. Like, what, what are you thinking? Well, I think tight head props always very important. I think Farmacilli has promise. I think Between Elof and Farmacilli, him. Reasonable... Yeah, and you move Elof to, they've been moving to Elof to Tighthead, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Which so is I'm... a problem. I don't think that works. So Farmacilli, I think, actually has really changed the dynamic of this team. I think they've lost a lot of punch through the middle there with him gone. So I think maybe he's worth persevering with. I don't know. I'm still thinking you probably need a really good 10 if you're going to keep Tamura at 12, which I think is a good idea. A 10 is so important because Joey Powell's pretty handy when he's got someone good to play with. Yeah, I like Powell. Um, keep Powell. Would you go after yeah. one of like the Brumbies, like second guys? Would you go get try and get Pasatoa or Kunzel or someone that Powell would have known and played with before? Maybe Kunzel. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. He might have some promise. 
Um, he's got a pretty handy kicking game. He's a bigger body, so he can carry the ball well. Um, Just don't Debrasini him. You know, if Hodgie's at the back, you got Tamura at twelve. You got a you know a decent ten coming in. Outside center, I think Illy's probably not the man for the job. Did you guys realize um, he's a Samoan international? No. <laughs> I didn't realise that. So they obviously him and uh, Anne, I think, were the two rebels like selected in the Samoan squad for the upcoming tests in Albert. New Zealand, as well as um, Stowers um, from the Brumbies as well. It's amazing, like a few okay. of these players that are that are international. Well, then we've already players. got some international flavour there, and it's not quite working. It's magic, but I think Samoa's fourteenth at the moment, so their outside centre is probably not a world beater, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're Brian Lima or something. Yeah, it's probably more inside centre. But yeah, I think 13 is important. Um, it's just a shame they're losing guys like probably Korobiti, Naisarani. Like they're huge losses. Like they could have been, mm. they're guys you should be continue to be building around your blind side winger and your really strong ball carrying number eight. Because we're not wholly convinced by guys like Hardwick and even Wells, even though he's a got a, such a high work rate i still think we Hardwick, can do better Rebels, like they, they're, they're still they're all okay like structural like you need dynamic ball carriers like guys like valentini nice Arani had it but he's just lost his confidence he's been messed around by the wallabies a little bit and yeah people leave because they get offered twice twice as much money overseas if they get screwed around here so we need to be more careful with how we treat players as well and keep them informed um, but anyway, I think there's quite a few positions the Rebels need to to sort out. Um, but I think Tamur looks like he's he's he signed on for that extra year or two. Hodge will be back hopefully by next year. It's a pretty serious injury, but he, he'll be back. Um, so you've still got some veterans there, but I think their recruitment drive is going to be have to be pretty massive in a lot of different areas. Mm. And I mean. You see on the other side of this game, someone like Mitch Hunt, like there was articles this last week about him sort of highlighting the fact that he was part of the Crusaders for that sort of hat-trick of championship wins and he made the decision to leave because he wanted more sort of game time and he sort of said, look, this was still like the best decision like he's made and you can see how much he's flourishing now, pretty much being the central figure between him and um, Aaron Smith and the Highlanders team even with the likes of like Joshuani that was supposed to be this hot shot new sort of player coming through and how much he now plays a pivotal role in keeping that sort of um, a target team to be a success. So I think looking around at some of the dynamic players and other teams that are going to be wanting more of a playing time, more of a starting role um, is definitely a way to try and strengthen through your team and trying to promote sort of, yeah, promote some maybe down there. Maybe Ben Donaldson is someone the Rebels should be looking at to poach because Harrison, not sure I see him as a longer-term fullback, although he's capable. I just think he's probably the future there at 10, when healthy, when confident. Donaldson yeah. next think- to Tamura, I think that would be a quite a good combination. Absolutely. Um, but Australia doesn't tend to have the luxury of having this plethora of depth in key positions. So it's a little bit maybe different to the Crusaders situation with Mitch Hunt. But I think, you know, when you're the Rebels, you have to think pretty wisely about what you're doing and, yeah, throw maybe some more money at Ben Donaldson than he's used to and he'll probably make the move. Absolutely. 
All right, let's get into round four of the Trans-Tasman Super Rugby. And we start off on Friday night. The Crusaders hosting the Force down there at Orange Theory Stadium. Um, the Force, I mean, things are not going to get easier for them down in Canterbury. Um, they had a tough night um, out at Napier versus the Hurricanes last week. And they just don't seem to quite be firing on all cylinders at the moment. Um, whether that is the fact that Kubeli's not quite sort of seeming to be on top form that we've seen in sort of the past couple of years. He has sort of glimpses of it, um, but it always seems like when they bring on prior, they get a bit more structured and a bit more sort of go forward. So I, d- I don't know what, what the sort of feeling is in terms of longer term and where you've got to aim sort of thing. Um, oh, I really wish Isaac Fines never left the force, honestly, because he would just be making so much um, happen if he was in this team at the moment, I think. Yeah, I totally agree with the Cabelli prior balance. Like they just look, they look structured. They look organized, whether it's his communication, whether it's maybe it's just what they do late in the game. He settles things down and, and simplifies things a bit. They just, they look like they make more ground and they're, they're, they're better prepared in defense as well. So I would make that transition. Miotti feels just like a game manager. He can, he can do the kicks you need to make. He can send the ball where it needs to go, but he's not a, He's not a um, sort of X factor, massively creative 10. Um, so they need to find something there to upset and confuse the Crusaders, which might be getting um, Ola Fella coming in on some, some better angles and uh, making more use of his pace and, and elusiveness. Um, it's going to be hard work scoring points against the Crusaders. So again, it's probably comes back to forwards and, and the defense. So, Again, another good reason, I think, to have prior on for the organisational side of things. Get a really good set of defenders in your forward pack, guys who make their tackles well, guys who are quick around the ruck to to reset and contest, make sure the Crusaders aren't moving on ball phase to phase too quickly. And if, again, you can keep them, keep the score down, you give yourself a chance late in the game um, when things start to break open. But this game's going to be, you know, initially the momentum swings are going to happen against the team who can't defend and the force need to set themselves up to, to hold back the tsunami that is the Crusaders. Yeah, I mean, I think the I think we all agree, Crusaders, you're kind of back here probably for a bonus point win, um, probably another 20-point margin. Yeah, unfortunately, it's, it's pretty so fair it's to expect that easy. and more. Yeah. Probably the more interesting game is the Reds after that up at Suncorp hosting the Blues. So obviously um, the Reds may be getting back to a little bit of their sort of Super Rugby AU type form after a few sort of stumbles in the past few weeks. And then the Blues sort of firing on all cylinders at the moment. Um, this is going to be a bit of a a bit of an event, I think, up there at Suncorp. I think that you'll get a good crowd in and I think it'll have all the, the feeling of something, um, a game that's, I mean, for both these teams, it's it's a significant sort of game, the Reds to sort of get a bit more um, respect after getting that first sort of win back. And as we said, Blues trying to aim up for finals at this stage. Mm. And I mean, the Suncorp crowd obviously missed out on that win in, in Townsville. So I think they'll be keen to get out here. And Blues are an entertaining team to watch. Like they're, they're a fun team to get out on the park against a Reds team that's playing some pretty great football too. So, yeah, I really hope the Reds can back this one up and go from strength to strength um, after that win because they looked great for most of the game. 
you know, bar that last 20 minutes, I think they were really dominant. Taniela Tupo with his carries, Harry Wilson with his carries. He's got the strapping off his knee now. He's looking a lot more healthy and present in the game. So these are all good signs for Australian rugby. Um, and, yeah, I think a lot of fans in Australia will be hanging their hat on the red successes in this next two games. And, look, we're not expecting them to make finals, obviously, but we want to finish the season well because before we know it, we'll be into the rugby championship. So I think it's a very important game. Blues, look, they look as they look like they're playing as well as they have in the last five years, probably. Um, so, yeah, I think there's going to be plenty of fireworks. And, um, yeah, if I was in Queensland, I'd be getting out to see this one. Yeah, this, this is a, ta- a game of two big attacking teams um, who aren't really constrained by any structure. They're, they're going to be throwing the ball all over the place. And the the Reds, I would like to keep see them keep the same team, except assuming everyone's fit, I think I think they're better with Liam Wright coming off the bench and keeping Scott Hanson Young. Uh, sorry, Scott Hanson Young. Yeah. Keeping Angus Scott Young uh, at six with McWright at seven. Like, Scott Young's just... He's just playing really physical and really accurate uh, rugby at the moment. Like he's making good hits. He's in at the rucks. He's he's physically dominating people at times. And he, he seemed to be the guy who kind of fell off and just wasn't really the right. He wasn't up at that tier. But this year he's definitely found uh, whatever was missing. And, and I think that's their best back row, which is really hard on Liam Wright because obviously he missed his chance to really – um, combine and develop with those guys this year but it's your form back row at the moment I think they need to go back to that um, and we've spoken about just about every other player in the back line I don't know if Isaac Henry's going to get another run but he looks like he fits the fits the group so um, should be some really good exciting attacking uh, rugby out of both sides and some bruising defense uh, Hunter hasn't put on a, a melting session on anyone recently he's been getting a bit melted himself so I'm sure he'll be looking to lay one on Rico or yeah, whoever he can get at. I think that's that'll be the key to the Blues, though, like upsetting a Terra Black, just like people have been going after O'Connor. In the second half this week, you could see the Chiefs starting to push O'Connor around, like after trying to charge down a kick, they're running through and just giving him a shove and just trying to kind of put him off his game. Um, that's what the Reds should be trying to do, get Harry Wilson and, and Paisami leaning in on a Terra Black, pressuring him as much as possible. So tipping the Reds then, Leo? Hundred percent. Tipped them last week. Knew they could get the win. I'm going. I'm going again. Yep. Reds again for me. It was very close to the margin last week, and yeah, this one's difficult to pick. It's probably a similar margin for me. Reds by five. Yeah, and I, I, unfortunately, I think it could easily go either way with a couple of quick tries. Either team could get it and get in front late in the game and potentially steal it. It's almost, I could almost see this going into sort of um, last couple of minutes drop goals type territory. Um, so look for O'Connor or Terry Black to, to work out with that. Um, Highlanders Waratahs down in Forsyth Bar. Now, we've kept talking about how the Waratahs have been able to score points. Um, the Highlanders, look, while they've been able to put some points on teams, like they, they haven't been immense in terms of the number of points they've been scoring this season. I really do think that there could, like, if the Waratahs could turn it on and um, actually play some defence for a week, this is a game they could almost like target a win or maybe a draw. Am I am I kidding myself with this sort of idea? Is this just 
hometown bias and me wanting to just see the Waratahs not go for a winless season? Or, or do you think there's some stock in that? There's, I can see where you're getting those points. I don't have as much optimism that they can, they can execute against a team like the Highlanders. Like you're talking about just put one-on-one um, Nareki against, say, Maddox or, um, you know, Newsom's been out on that wing. Like it's, it's hard to see those guys containing a player like Nareki just in those scenarios. We know the Highlanders are going to create those counter-attacks, those, um, those mismatches uh, regularly. But you're right. I mean, the Waratahs' trajectory, they're coming off a very, very low base, but it is starting to nudge up. And it is encouraging that they have been scoring points. If they're finding some combinations and, and training the, um, to some really sort of good good game planning against a team like the Highlanders, certainly keeping the ball off them helps because they are a, can attack from anywhere and, and they do pull out a few tricks, especially Aaron Smith seems to be just pulling out chips and little um, sort of like more of those little back flick passes and things now. He seems to be... Uh, happy to try just about anything. So they're going to have to be on their game defensively. But if you keep the ball off them, then you're not on defense, are you? So, um, look, I don't, I don't think I'll be tipping the Waratahs, but I like where you're coming from. And I think it's a good enough reason to get some eyes on this game. I think it'll be a good game. Um, but, yeah, look, the Highlanders have put 25, 40, and 42 points on. So they're, they're certainly scoring points. Yeah, I think you're being relatively optimistic. But I see I see where that take is coming from. And... You know, this is probably the Waratahs' last chance for a win this season. They've got the Chiefs at home in the last round. And this, although it's away from home, um, you know, I can see why the Highlanders might take the Waratahs lightly, particularly when they've had a win against the Reds already this season. A big win against the Reds down at Forsyth Bar. So, Tars won't be actually, I guess, setting off too many alarms in their heads. But perhaps on the day, you know, if the Waratahs can score some tries... Um, they might surprise them, but I, I won't be picking the Waratahs. I'll still be picking the Highlanders by 10. Fair enough. So they're not going to be the second Australian team potentially to get a win. What, what about the Brumbies back home finally at GIO? They take on the Hurricanes. Again, Hurricanes are on, oh, they're second on the table in this competition at the moment, but huge point difference. They've scored bonus points in every game they've had so far. Now they have to take that down to Canberra, to the Fortress at GIO and the Brumbies finally get home with some hometown fans. And I guess they'd be hoping to get a bit of a crowd there to get a bit of support to hopefully um, turn this season around. Bounce back game. I reckon they can do it. I mean, losing in that fashion against the Blues, something has to shift here. And the Hurricanes... I think they, they do have a tendency to get ahead of themselves, maybe a little bit arrogant at times, and they're the, not the most disciplined team. Things start not going their way down in Canberra. I mean, it's going to be cold. I'm sure Wellington is probably not too dissimilar, but, um, yeah, I think hey, the Brumbies, this is where it needs to change. Week. Yeah, minus one, you know, in the evening. So I think I might pick the Brumbies here. Brumbies by three. I think I still feel like no one's really done it, but the the Hurricanes definitely run through Geordie and to a lesser, much lesser degree, Auburn Legend now. So you just work on those two 
you make sure you've, you've picked them out of the line when in attack and you've got the coverage and you press. And the Brumbies are a team that can structure that press and, and be effective. I think that's really necessary. And then someone in the forward, someone like a Valentini is just going to have to, you know, front up and, and take down Artie Sevilla and not let him just go rollicking through. Um, mm. that they're a team that I think you can silence more, you can more likely to silence mm. by taking out those key players. Um, the back line tends to get pretty disjointed if there isn't good flow from the nine ten. So, and Geordie's that sort of substitute 10. So you have to cover both sides of the ruck, but if you can shut it down early um, and again, Noah, Simone, Ikitao, like they're guys that can absolutely do that. Um, I think they give themselves a really good chance. Assuming they're all fit, assuming they can they can pick their best, um, they're definitely going to be better off a, a home cooked meal this week. I just want to add, I think there's a quite a few Brumbies in this team that have been underwhelming, and I think they'll really need to step it up over the next two games to actually you know solidify those those wallaby spots. Um, so I think there'll be a lot of desperate players there, particularly even Nick White. I think he's been underwhelming towards the latter half of this season. Um, so, yeah, I think they'll actually have a lot to play for here. And they're actually, the bookies have them as the most favoured Australian team this this weekend to get a win more than the Reds, which is, is surprising. Um, so they're at about $3 to beat the Canes. So still quite, you know, outsiders there, but Reds are sitting at 340 to beat the Blues. So most likely place for a victory, maybe statistically here. I still, yeah. I'm going to back them, but it's, yeah, it's not with a lot of confidence. Another name you said, Nick White, another name that I'd highlight is someone like Falau Fainga. Like, obviously, left out of the squad early on. Um, he should be mad about that um, because he's he has had some form earlier in this year. He's been part of that Wallabies setup. He really needs to perform. And it's it comes off the back again that he's not even been picked as a starting role in this in this team for a few weeks um, with them giving Lachlan Lonigan, um, Noss and um, Connell McInerney even more opportunity sort of coming back. So he needs to fire up and have a big one as well um, over these next two weeks. Yeah, there's multiple players, I think, in that same position. Yeah, but you're right. They do they do stack up well with the likes of Valentini to combat Artie Sevilla and their big centres to combat La Marpi and uh, Proctorol um, and Munger Jensen, whoever it may be. Going to the Rebels, again, playing on Sunday. Um, at the moment, it sounds like they will be able to go to New Zealand. Uh, so they'll be headed over to um, Hamilton to play the Chiefs. And this is a bit worrying if because if the Chiefs don't have Damien McKenzie for a few weeks, this is sort of what was happening last year when he was sort of semi-injured and not playing up to his best. We've seen them fall apart under these circumstances in the past. It's probably not going to happen against this Rebels team, but I think they, they're going to have to... There's going to be have to be a few people that, that step up in the likes of sort of Antle and Brown in terms of the likes of their back rowers. Um, Brad Webber's obviously been playing amazingly well, um, so he'll, he'll have to continue that as well. Yeah, Caleb Trask needs to be more prominent. Um, he was decent. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. But he's got to now take it up to another level too. Um, I, I don't think they're likely to fall back to that 
whatever team, you know, 11 games or whatever in a row they lost. Mm. Um, I don't think that's so likely. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're, this isn't going to be a, a fait accompli, which it would, that's what it was looking like with their full strength side against a rebel side without a coach, without a plan, without a, you know, what did Toby say? Like a, like an, a standout talent. Without in, a in soul. Without <laughs> a soul. Well, Maybe that's the maybe that's the um, identity of this team. Is that the, most Victorians have had it sucked out of them in the last twelve months. That's so a bit understandable. Um, they the rebels, yeah, the rebels can try and be the the trap game here, a beaten upside, now traveling away from home, have you know met preparations all messed up. Um, I think that's probably a fairy tale. I, I don't think that's likely. I think the Chiefs will be comfortable at home. They'll know how well they played in the in the death last week. So they've got a game plan for the world without McKenzie, if, if that's what it is. Um, th- I think they'll do this comfortably. I still think this will be sort of two and a half, probably try margin somewhere around that 17, 18 points. Yeah, I agree. And I think the benefit to losing McKenzie is that Trask goes to 10 and then Chase TAT slots straight into fullback very nicely. And maybe someone like Sean Stevenson comes onto one of the wings. So Nankerville, amazing player. Anton Leonard-Brown, amazing player. Brad Webber's pretty handy himself, and they've got a pretty mobile and damaging forward pack too. So I'd be picking the Chiefs by at least 20. Oh, wow. Fair enough. Um, other news out of Chiefs recently was their midfielder who's been injured, Quintupaya, has signed on for another couple of years for them. So exciting talent from earlier in the year. Um, we'll get to see him again um, next year. And other news, Samu Karevi has joined up with the Australian Sevens team. Yeah, which is so pretty exciting. They they don't want Sean McMahon, but they'll take Samu Karevi. It sounds like um, the same way Caleb Clark's gone off um, for the New Zealand sort of Sevens team. Samu Karevi's now making a bid to play in Tokyo um, with the Australian team in the Olympics. That, as far as I'm aware, are still going ahead despite sort of bigger surges of COVID happening in Japan at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, something this, for him to do. I've, I guess it seems like, like he's already over there. He's acclimatized and he'll be the sort of guy that doesn't play all the minutes, right? Yeah, he's he's going to be coming on as an expert. He's, yeah. he's going to be the same as Jared Hayne playing for Fiji. Um, and Quadzilla. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so like it'll be interesting to see how how he goes. Well, I mean, he's so dynamic. He'll be he'll be a wrecking ball against weak teams for sure. He's in so he's in quarantine right now, and it's I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that he'll actually be picked in the squad. Yeah, but he's turning up to, to actually do a formal trial in Sydney after his quarantine. Thing is, he I, I don't know if he featured in even in the semi for Suntory. He wasn't in the final. So he might be actually a little bit light on match fitness, which is obviously key in sevens. And I just don't think he has the gas tank for that that form of the game. I know that if you can use him for you know a few minutes at a time, but I don't know exactly how the subs work in sevens, but I don't know. He doesn't seem like the guy I'd be targeting for the Olympics. But, I mean, he's, he's living in Japan. I guess logistically, once he gets back there, it makes sense. But much rather have him lining up for the the Wallabies against France. Well, maybe we can um, send a note to the seven selectors and say, just give him a very early no Tim, thanks, but no Tim thanks. Walsh, no. <laughs> and um, Tim Walsh, and then no. say, well, since you're here in Australia, there's this uh, 
shiny new jersey that we'd like to put on you there's this team called the waratahs that need your help oh don't condemn come quickly send him back to the reds would he walk straight back into your wallaby starting 15 Jeez, you have to be close. If, if if fit, if he's at his, if he's got his fitness, then yes, I think yeah. he starts at twelve. Yeah, you put him and Hunter together. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh, or Ikita. I mean, honestly, whoever's in better form, probably Hunter at the moment. But he's had a bit of a, you know, he's had a bit of a quiet period with his injury and things. So, oh yeah, Karevi, Karevi at full fitness every day. Well, Major League Rugby is still continuing on. The Giltinis suffered their second loss um, of the season. So I just wanted to highlight that just to see Toby's face with a grimace. And, um, I didn't even know that. Nakito. I just assume um, they win every week. You pulled my perfect hey, round. No, you're probably going to have to send him, Gito, a bit of a consolation message and just let him know that, like, you're sorry, man. I hope you can so I'll comfort him. get still on your bike him. and drive around Venice Beach a little bit this week still. Um but that continues to roll on. I won't delve too deep into that this week. Um, Beaten by Rugby Atlanta, the, um, the side we we had a brief attachment to, being uh, attending their press conference. But they're, they're actually just because of that, just because of having been associated with it briefly, I've been keeping slightly more of an eye on them than a lot of the other teams, and they are actually yeah getting up on a bit of a roll now. Like they're they're winning consistently. They're yeah they're having some good weeks. So. What do you? What do you rank now, Leo? Fourth in the world. <laughs> fourth in the world. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, fourth in the world. Man, there's, I mean, man. Oh, there's thirty-two hundred people, so yeah. that's still that's pretty damn good. So me and Carl, you, uh, we're split by half a point in the Australian group, <laughs> and we're six Ed- points ahead of everyone else. Hansi Cronje. Hansi Cronje. What? Hansi Cronje is coming third. Oh, from the, from the grave. Well, he's dead, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Uh, me and Carl, you're representing for Australia in the top five in the world. So whether it's you or me, Carl, at the end of the season, be happy for hey, Australia's sake. Two points off the leader. It's pretty decent. Keep it going. We won't, we won't read out the scores in our little three-man pool. Yeah, let's no. not do that. Let's not do it's that just embarrassing. All. <laughs> it's um it's still an exciting brand like get it if you if you want to take up uh, a, fel- a fellowship like toby loves to follow teams from every sport from every competition in the world pick a team um there is some exciting play so get your eyeballs around it's still being covered um online so you have to go find their streaming service to get those are you games. just picking home teams i'm trying to no. work out your okay my algorithms are um, Algorithm. <laughs> wow. The program. He plugs in a few factors. Looks at the weather, the wind it's been direction. Toyed Adam Fryer or something. Yeah. Don't look at the weather. Don't let it influence you, boys. There's nothing That's in it. it. It's all about the phosphate contact of the soil of the ground. Well, that about wraps it up from all us boys here at the Running Rugby Podcast. Um, Thanks for tuning in once again. Keep up with everything else that's going on on our social media, on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod. Make sure uh, you have press subscribe wherever you listen to us and recommend us to a friend. Why not? Um, We're getting closer and closer to July internationals um, and we're going to see some Wallabies squads and All Black squads coming out soon. Um, I promise we will talk about the Lions and the Springboks um, a little bit more in the next few weeks. Um, we've just been t- 
way too taken with Super Rugby Trans Tasman at this stage. Um, but we will get to it. I promise that. Thanks again for tuning in. Keep on running. Run. <laughs>